So it's the walk-off. It's an interesting addition to the walk-off. Holder Kusher here along with Ryan Spader. And Spader, you did a great job. You took a lot of time. It took a while. We landed Big Cat from Barstool. Guy's got a million followers. I think he's funny as hell. Really seemed a lot more down-to-earth than I thought he was going to be. Uh, But that's usually what happens with a lot of these guys. And ultimately, we lost you in the broadcast uh technical difficulties happen all the time i think big cat was telling us what that he interviewed mike ditka and the tape ran out or something like that i've done it i mean i have talked to some of the biggest names in sports where we either went off the air or something else happened these things happen spader it happened and we got to move on and what we're going to do is play the best four minutes of that interview in the history of the world um i was a little bit unhappy about all of that obviously but fortunately he said he's going to come back on and we will pick up where we left off well who did i how did i cheer you up that day was there anything i told you maybe you're making a lot of money maybe it happens to everyone or did it take you a long time to get over it and you're still upset about it i mean i'm not thrilled but as i mean basically the fact that you were like it happens and he said the same thing so i was like whatever what can i do about this yeah, you can't do anything about it. There's nothing you can do about it. So without further ado, here was the start of the show, the best four minutes of your life. All right, we got Big Cat, Dan Katz, Barstool, joining us here on the walk-off pod, Holden Kushner and uh, Ryan Spader. So I got a question right off the bat here for you, Big Cat. Yes. Uh, I, me and Spader had a bet that uh, baseball would not start until after June 1st. He's going to lose that bet. It's only 100 bucks. But he wants to pay it in nickels. He's a dick. And oh. we also live like 1,500 miles away. What's the protocol on that? Can you be the judge, please? Yes, I would love to be. So uh, follow-up question, if I may. Uh, do you guys gamble generally? Like, is that something you do uh, yes. in your free time or whatever? So you're betting all the time, right? I'm betting every day with okay. all of my life savings in okay. That's goddamn perfect. pen stock. That's perfect. That is perfect to know because uh, that means that, Spader, you can do that. You can pay him in nickels, but the gambling gods will frown on that and they will smite you uh, in a very inopportune time. And I'm a big believer in the gambling gods, so do it. But just know karma will catch up to you when it comes to gambling. Take that, Spader. You send me those nickels, I'm going to shove them up your ass. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer. I think that it, I think that you uh, – what you put out in the gambling world, you get back. So, you know, like when you get too when you get too hot and you think that you've solved everything, there's probably about a million times in my life I think I've solved it and uh, I know how to gamble correctly and then I get humbled very quickly. So I just wouldn't tempt the gambling gods with a move like that. Peter, it's all you, dude. Uh, man, you might get dimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so you basically took from that, like, all right, you don't want to totally piss off the gambling gods. We'll just move up to dimes. Yeah, we'll go dimes or quarters. We'll see. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I hate you. So, Spader, you want to talk to him about your Cubs Hall of Famers? You came up with a big list last night. Ooh, I'm well, ready for this. I First and foremost, we got to go with uh, Chris Bryant, right? Because he already has the most home runs by a Cubs player through, uh, what, four seasons? And what has he played, three? <laughs> so, uh, I think he's, so 2015 was his call-up, is that right? Yes, I believe so. I was at the game, so I should know. Um, what? Tell me this real quick before we get going to this, because I'm very curious about this. What do you guys have? You guys are, are baseball nuts, nerds. You get you get all the way into it. What is like the uh, defining characteristic for Hall of Fame or not? Is it a total gut feel, or is it like a certain number and a certain statistic or longevity that they need to have? Well, I, I think for the longest time it was that standard, right? There was three, 300 wins, 3,000 hits, or um, 500 home runs. And anymore, it, it seems like it, it, it's not that. It, it, I mean, we, we've got guys uh, guys who I've personally tried to vouch for. Uh, Edgar Martinez, who got in without the 500 home runs. You got Tim Raines, who got in without the 3,000 hits. Uh, I, I, I don't think it, that's what it's about anymore. And um, I, I think anymore, you got guys who just contributed to the game for a long time, contributed to a single team for a long time. And uh, that's what you're going to have with the with these Cubs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say Brian is probably the best case of a guy who who if he continues at the pace he's at for, you know, I mean, he's not he's not like an old guy. So if he continues at this pace for the next 10 years plus, he should be in who's. Who's the next on the list? Because I probably have someone different than you. So Spader, at this time, your internet goes down. I don't know if you want to call out the provider and just call him nasty. Comcast. Comcast. Oh, it was Comcast? Yes. See, I have always had great internet with Comcast. Everything else about him sucks, but you're still upset at Comcast. Are you going to sue him? No. Okay. So the question that Big Cat was asking us when you went bye-bye was the other Cubs Hall of Famers, like anybody on this roster today that you think at least has a, a head up to go to the Hall of Fame or guys you think they're going to polish it off? Because the only guys I could come up with were John Lester and Anthony Rizzo. So let's start with you. Who's the next guy up behind Chris Bryant? Well, um, you bring up John Lester, and I think it might be tough to keep him out with three World Series, two with the Boston, and then um, – the one with the Cubs, of course, and not only that, but he overcame the cancer thing, which is uh, obviously incredible to go on and have the career that he's had. However, I think he is a player who is going to be seriously hurt by this, um, uh, I almost called it a strike, but this work stoppage because of the COVID-19. And I, I think his numbers are going to be so close because he's going to end up around that like lower 200s wins where we saw Roy Halladay get in easily. Um, Pedro Martinez, uh, these guys are a little uh, better quality of pitcher than you get in from John Lester, but he's going to end up with pretty similar numbers overall. And then... Um, so real quick, before you... Let's take Lester for a second. 
Was Kurt Schilling a Hall of Famer if he didn't have the postseason performances that he had? Because he was one of the greatest postseason performers in the history of the game. And when I look at John Lester, I kind of look at John Lester and say the same thing. This is one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. And when you look at what he did in the World Series, my God, he started five games. He appeared in six. He had a just a, a ridiculous uh, numbers here. He pitched 35 and two-thirds innings, gave up just seven earned runs. He had a sub-one whip at .95. We're talking about five starts, six games here, and he was just about as good as it gets. A 177 ERA in his and a 4 and one record, which I think once you get to the playoffs, you kind of got to start looking at wins and losses a little bit more. But a 4 and one to 177 in the World Series, that to me kind of puts him over the top. Well, his overall postseason resume is phenomenal as well. Uh, it's 2-5-1 ERA in 26 games. However, I'm of the school of thought that Hall of, or excuse me, Hall of Fame um, postseason World Series numbers should only enhance a career that was already a Hall of Fame career. Now, guys who are voting don't necessarily think like that. So I think that just the fact that he has this postseason resume will get him into the Hall of Fame. You bring up Kurt Schilling, I think he was a Hall of Famer regardless of what he did in the postseason, and that's a case where um, the postseason performance definitely enhances what that player was in the regular season, and that was a Hall of Famer. By the way, Big Cat, we're doing this for you. This is this is not for us, although I'm really starting to enjoy this. So, uh, John Lester's one. We really can't figure out if Chris Bryant's going to be one, but we see the start of his career. It's amazing. You know, I said Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, and I went back and looked at the numbers, and I thought he had done a lot more in his career than he had done. Now, he's been a very good player. Uh, he's another – didn't he beat cancer too? Yeah. Um, yeah, Rizzo is another guy, so – He's hit, what, 32, 31, 32, 30. He's just about as consistent as it gets with the home runs. The last two years, they've dipped to 25 and 27. Uh, the OPS plus is 130. That's kind of nice. He's going to have to do a lot to get into the Hall of Fame. And he's not a baby anymore either. I mean, the guy is going to be 31 this season. By the time the season starts, he'll be right around 31 years old. So maybe he has five or six more years to get in there. 293 batting average, 924 OPS last year. Where's Anthony Rizzo on this list? I think ultimately he's going to be a guy who falls short just because of his position. You got a 488 slugger out of a third ba- or excuse me a first baseman. It's just not going to going to get him there. Um, he would need something like to somehow reach the 500 home run plateau uh, to to really get him in, into the Hall of Fame. And it's it's a shame because he's a great player. Uh, Gold Glover, the Silver Slugger Awards, uh, great fielder, and he's a great fielding first baseman. However, when you're a first baseman, if you're not putting up monster offensive numbers, you're generally not getting the consideration that you should be for the Hall of Fame. So is anybody else on this list? you got to go really young with guys like Baez and stuff like that. I don't see anybody else. You tell me. I I like Baez's chance because he's just so electric, electric and... I just see him contributing um, at a high level for a long time, especially if he figures out how to take pitches and and get on base. But then somebody else who I think is absolutely going to be a Hall of Famer um, is Craig Kimbrell with the Cubs. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Because I'm playing like a tap baseball, and he's like a 42 player, and that's a horrible number. Like you want guys that are at least in the hundreds, and MLB Tap Sports does not think he's good. I kind of feel like they know a little bit more than you. Is that correct? Uh, well, Kimbrel has a 
2.08 ERA for his career. He so was, they screwed that up, is what you're saying? Well, he just was terrible last year. And <laughs> it was due in large part to the fact that, I mean, last season his, his ERA went from, his career ERA went from 191 to 208. And it was because he couldn't get a freaking contract to start the season. And then he started the season late and he just didn't contribute like they had hoped he would. Yeah, I'm not going to take last season and hold it against Kimbrell. The th- funny thing is, though, is we rarely ever talked about closers getting into the Hall of Fame. And you hate the fact that they won Cy Young Awards and MVPs, but now we flash forward to this day and it's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Like, voters are more comfortable putting them in. And just some of the numbers that this guy put up. I, I can't ever forget the days that he had in Atlanta because every season he was just unheadable. You see his FIP in 2012 was 0.75. So with a 12, 6'5"? No, actually, that was his whip. His FIP was yeah. .78, yeah. I mean, it, it, last year was the first year that he was not one of the great closers in the history of the game. And, yeah, it's because of the work stoppage. But every year, the guy just put up the same numbers. He really is incredible. So one other thing that he has that um, – this is not really these are the kind of numbers that I like that you don't really see people pulling standard but um he is now it alternated between him Chapman and um Jansen and I haven't pulled this in a little while but Kimbrel has the it, uh yeah he does still the greatest uh differential of strikeouts to base runners allowed in history and when you're looking at these players who have this plus differential of more strikeouts than base runners allowed, you're talking about some of the greatest relief pitchers of all time. And then a guy who's not on the list is Mariano Rivera, the, the single greatest relief pitcher of all time. Now, strikeouts are not the end-all, be-all, but that's what you want from these back-end guys, these closers to come in and um, come in, not allow base runners and strike guys out. And that's what he did, and he's been one of the best in history at it. Uh, in his case, Hopefully for him, he can put together a couple more solid seasons to sure up that resume because I got to be honest, 553 and a third career innings doesn't really do it for me. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not voting for the Hall of Fame. And the way that these guys will is that they will most likely be for a, a Craig Kimbrell who gets to close to 500 saves. All right, so Big Cat want to know about the guys that are on the team now. I want to talk to you about the best Cub ever then. Because there are some guys that played for the Cubs, but just didn't play long enough. So I look back at guys. Let's see here. You had, uh, well, Johnny Ivers is not going to be one of the best ever. So I'm just going to skip right over him. Rogers Hornsby only played four seasons. Like if we just took the best player in the history of their franchise, it'd be Rogers Hornsby, right? Even though he only played a few years there. If you look at the whole career, would Hornsby be the best or was there somebody better? Um. So it's hard to just look at Hornsby and say a Cub. I think that if you're going to... He's not, but I'm just saying, like, all time, if you put Ernie Banks' numbers up against Rogers Hornsby, was Rogers Hornsby the greatest player to ever play in the history of that organization? Off the top of my head, I have to say probably so. But if we're going to look at the body of work as a Cubs player... I've got to go with probably Cap Anson. And typically, you hate to go with these guys who played in the 1800s, but he was just so far and away better than the rest of the league at the time. His OPS Plus, you look at the numbers that he was putting up. I mean, just with the Cubs, he had a 142 OPS Plus, and he played with them for 22 years. Over 3,000 hits just for the Cubs. Uh, Only 321 strikeouts just for the Cubs. Uh, His numbers were just phenomenal. Now, 
it's funny because when you brought this up in the pre-show, I'm looking at this list of war leaders for all Cubs in history. And, of course, you got your guys, uh, Sammy Sosa there at six, and then Billy Williams at five, uh, Ernie Banks at four, Ryan Sandberg at three, skip over number two, and then you got Cap Anson at one. And number two was just shocking to me. Sosa? Ron Santo. Ah, my guy. And this guy was done dirty by BBWAA and by the Hall of Fame voting in that he didn't even get in during his lifetime. And then the year after he dies, and this is not a guy like, you know, with Pete Rose type of controversy attached to his name. The year after this poor dude dies, he gets into the Hall of Fame. He never even gets to see it. It's just really a shame because he was a complete player uh, for the Cubs. And by the standards of war, the best Cub uh, during the modern era. I am so, I'm still to this day upset about it. I had a chance to get to know Ron. I would go back to probably 2003 when I was with Iowa, um, with the Cubs organization. And he, he and I talked quite a few times about trying to get into the Hall of Fame and how he said, you know, it's not up to me. It'd be nice if it happened, but if it doesn't, then it doesn't. And I think if we would have told him that he was getting in after he died, that his answer would have been a little different. So a lot of you are still upset about the Astros. Think about the thing you're most upset about in baseball. And for me, it's them being their worst enemy and not getting going on this uh, on returning to play right now. But I think the biggest travesty I've seen in baseball was Ron Santo not getting in until after he died. Because his mission, part of his mission in life was just hoping that he was getting into the Hall of Fame. Like, how the hell do you do it to this guy? First of all, great player. Second of all, nicest guy in the world. Um, belonged in the Hall of Fame, and they screwed him. I just don't understand why one year the flip switched and he got in, and he wasn't all these other years. That, that to me, the Hall of Fame writers, if you didn't vote him in until that last year, that should be on your conscience. Yeah, I, I don't... Was it the writers, though, who voted? What, did he get in on the Veterans Committee? I think I, he, I, yeah, but none of them voted for him. That was the right. problem, that he didn't get in for that long. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. If a guy's a Hall of Famer the year after he dies, he's a Hall of Famer, period. Uh, he did get in on the Veterans Committee in 2012. Uh, so he sat on the ballot for all of those years uh, not getting in as a... Uh, BBWAA. So BBWAA from 1980 to 1998 did not uh, vote Ron Santo. And he only got as high from BBWAA as 43.1, which is pretty low for somebody who was eventually inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's just, uh, I'm I'm with you. I, I think it's another case where a guy who was a third baseman and played third base at an elite level. Uh, had he been a shortstop, he would have been in the Hall of Fame on one of the first couple ballots. And third base just aren't uh, third basemen just aren't paid that premium that you get from um, uh, shortstops. It's it's not paid the same premium just as second baseman is. Uh, and I've gone through the list. We did it with um, Mike Schmidt of third basemen that the Hall of Fame have allowed in. And it's you're talking just the absolute elite of of the elite in Chipper Jones, Wade Boggs, George Brett, Mike Schmidt, Brooks Robinson, Eddie Matthews, and Pie Trainer, and that's that's it. Seven third basemen ever allowed in by BBWAA, and then they let a guy in like Barry Larkin, who was a great shortstop by all means, but 
not a better player than Ron Santo. Uh, I, I mean, you got to at least, at the very least, if you argue uh, either side, say it's a toss-up. But he gets in on the third ballot with roughly the same numbers and a lot of numbers that are inferior, in fact. So it's it's really weird to me throughout history that that shortstop position has just been heralded. Now, let's go back to Santo real quick. I want to know who the asshole on the Golden Era Committee, the one guy that didn't vote him into the Hall of Fame that year. He got 15 of the 16 votes. I don't know who it was that left him off, but that guy's an asshole too. That's all I can say about this. It's just sad that Ron didn't get in. And, and you know, it's just a Hall of Fame. You guys are making that. No, 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 no. This was a great guy, and his number one thing that he wanted to do was get into the Hall of Fame. Like, that was the thing that was going to help him validate his career. Should've, we validate it. Should have hired the Ace of Spaders. You you're like 12 years old, though. Um, well, what, he got finally got in in 2012, so he would have had to get in in order to be alive in 2010. Yeah, I, was in 20, I was 21. Yeah, you were in college. You, just, yeah. you, you were not full Spader yet. You were baby Spader. <laughs> <And> baby, <spaders, laughs> baby Spader doesn't get it done. Here's some other names I'm going to throw out there at you as far as the best Cubs Hall of Famer. Mordecai Brown. Greg three Finger. Yeah, Three Fingers. Greg Maddox. Does Mordecai get more love because of Three Fingers? Honestly, probably. Yeah, he's a people love guy. people love that stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean he did end up with a uh, a two four one lifetime FIP. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's pretty damn good. One thirty eight ERA plus. So he was good with his three fingers. A Cap Anson, not Sammy Sosa, as the Sammy, greatest, huh? So Sammy, I, I would say, has the greatest five year stretch of not just any cub but maybe a, a, any power hitter in history because he had averaged nearly 60 home runs for a five-year stretch per 162 games he averaged 60 homers 145 rbi now i know we don't really care that much about rbi but it still means something if you're getting nearly one a game you're doing something right you hit 50 or excuse me 292 home runs over a five-year stretch you're absolutely dominating and then you look at the uh, modern saber metrics numbers well in 2001 he arguably had a better season than Barry Bonds did. And in fact, over the last uh, five months, or excuse me, four months of the season, he out-homered Bonds. And uh, Bonds went on to break the um, the home run record. Now, Bonds ended up having nearly uh, one and a half more wins above replacement. But when you look at the stats across the board, um, Sammy Sosa had him in some of the uh, more... Uh, typical back of the baseball card stats. He had he had a lot more hits. He had more walks, or excuse me, more runs, more RBI. Um, of course, fewer home runs. But Sosa was right there in 2001, and that's one of the most overlooked seasons by any player in history, just because of what was going on in the game at the time. He's the Cubs' all-time leader in home runs at 5.45, and I know a lot of Cubs fans hate him still. But guys, ladies, these are the this is the facts. The guys put up the numbers. Okay, the guy put up the numbers, the all-time leader in franchise home runs, at bats for home runs. But ultimately, when we look at the best, we're looking in, are we putting Maddox in there as far as a pitcher? Or did most of his, more of his great seasons come in Atlanta and he was good with the Cubs? Or great with the Cubs, but not the best in the organization? I think it was like a situation with, like with um, Bonds where he moved on uh, into his much greater self with his new mm-hmm. team. Um, and 
uh, he was still excellent with the Cubs, but I I, I think I got to go with probably Fergie Jenkins or somebody as some, somebody else as who played the majority of their career with the Cubs uh, as that greatest pitcher of all time. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back. Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, sports to get in on, too. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter that for free. Coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. So Cap Anson, they did not have war 150 years ago, but he leads in, in war at 84.8. So you might have something going here. And then Santo was two. Sandberg, Banks, and Williams. These are the last three guys I want to talk about. Ryan Sandberg is a guy that I grew up watching, one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, I, I got so Uh-oh. lucky, too. I bought a pack of, I think it was 19, I want to say it was 83 tops, and I was going into the store to go buy a Ryan Sandberg rookie card, which back in the 80s was worth money then. And I ended up buying a pack instead, and I pulled his rookie card. It was so amazing. And then I learned that my mother was not a saint when we were walking in Chicago, and we went into a deli, and he was in front of us in line, and she was, like, all hot and bothered over him. And that really pissed me off. So I don't like Ryan Sandberg anymore. So uh, you might not like this because he said one of the greatest players. He's not? I don't think so. I I think he's overrated because and now again I just I'm contradicting myself a little bit here because he was one of the greatest second basemen of all time, mm-hmm. but a typically weak offensive position. You move him over to first base, and you look at these numbers and you say eh, it's not a Hall of Famer. And I know you can't just simply move a guy over to first base just to make this argument, but you look at Mark Grace, a guy who was kept out of the Hall of Fame, who I would say is a superior player. Uh, Mark Grace could have just as well played second base. He was a great defensive player, played more career games in Sandberg. He had uh, more career hits in Sandberg, more career doubles. Um, I, I think that Grace was a far better offensive player. 303 career hitter versus 285, 383 on base percentage versus 344, and then um, 442 slugging versus the slightly superior 452, and you have a 5% better in terms of his offensive output um, at a first base position. So Grace kind of got the, the what Rizzo treatment would be, and uh, Sandberg, of course, got bumped up because he was a good offensive player at a uh, one that you're typically getting a liability from uh, at a second baseman and whereas if you just flip the guys and flip their positions which is easier said than done grace is the one who gets in the hall of fame yeah you know you bring this up with sandberg he didn't even have an 800 ops right but he had so many great seasons at a position where you just don't like second baseman normally didn't win mvps his 1984 season was absolutely amazing. That wasn't one of the greatest of all time, but he went and he hit 40 home runs in 1990. So 
Here's a guy in Ryan Sandberg for a couple of years. You know, maybe he's not as great as he was. He goes and he retires, and he came back in 1996. He retired in 94, didn't come play in 95. And then 96, he came back and had a decent year. But I think defensively, and you look at what he did with that organization, I never thought he was overrated, but I got to tell you something. You look at the numbers a little bit more, not, uh, not the greatest player of all time, but he does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, I think because of the whole body of work. I, I'm not going to take him out of the Hall of Fame. I just think that as a whole, he's a little bit overrated, uh, especially when you had his bat in that same lineup with Mark Grace. And Mark Grace was a superior batsman, in my opinion. And Grace, uh, it's funny because you probably should have had been hitting Grace second and Sandberg third, but you had them hitting the other way around just because of the defensive position. It really doesn't make any sense uh, as much of what went on in baseball in the 80s and 90s does yep. it they were both great defenders i didn't like mark grace either because my friend leslie filkowski wanted to bang him and i wanted to bang her and it just didn't happen so basically i hate all the 80s and 90s cubs because of sex grace was a uh, one to dabble with the um uh, slump busters oh man that was great if you you know what if we ever get a chance to talk we'll talk to him about slump busters because he loves talking about banging fat girls does trying he to get, trying to get oh god yes trying to get back off uh, off the schneid yes it's one of the great stories and i think has it lost kind of its spot in baseball lore or is it still big because when he started saying that this has got to be at least 20 years ago it, it's fat shaming story. or something now you can't say stuff like you that, can't do it you can't do slump buster I don't know. I think it's I think it's funny and has value. I I would definitely want to talk to him about it, but maybe it's best suited to do so over a beer instead of uh, over a microphone. He didn't mind talking about it. He just went back to Chicago too. You know, he had his off-field issues, getting into some DUIs and some drinking problems, but they finally brought him back to Chicago. How does? How does I, I mean, I, I guess and now I understand it a little bit because, but like, how in the age of Uber and stuff do people get DUIs? Well, how about cabs? I mean, they had cabs, <laughs> cabs for like a hundred years. How I guess people are just in? over. I guess they just underestimate how hammered they are, or something. I, I don't know. You've never driven messed up. I could have. I did no. one time. I drove high one time. I've never I'm, driven. I, I was too afraid, man. See, Especially, I was. I've never driven uh, drunk. I just. I'm not a big drinker, but I did drive high uh, to go get laid one time. I went from being afraid of. Um, afraid of doing it because of my father to being afraid of doing it because of losing my job to being afraid of doing it uh, because of the military <laughs> i can't you've never driven dr see i feel like 99 percent of people that say they've never driven drunk have driven drunk because most people have and it's a horrible thing to do and you shouldn't do it and i learned my lesson after driving wasted but i feel like everybody's done it at least once no no I, i'm it's amazing i hold to my morals usually that's uh, I have a hard time believing that, but I'm going to believe it because I like you. I mean, look, th we used to do the show in your basement. I'd have two beers. Yeah, but it. two beers wouldn't get you messed up. One beer and I'd be passed out. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's usually what I would hold myself to: two, three beers in in a couple hours, and then and then go. But I know for a fact to to the point that um I I can't now I don't have it mandated. I have a breathalyzer just just you to do? Be, yeah. I just bought it. I just bought it one time as shits and giggles to see what, uh, what you know, what you can get on the high, old high score. But it's a good thing to keep in, on your person just in case, you know. I wonder if they'll ever come up with that for weed. 
Like, here, you blow into this, and we'll figure out how messed up you are. Or when the last time you did it, right? When the last time you did it, yeah. That, that's, that's what they need, because you can't have people getting a DUI 30 days after. Well, we started with Big Cat. We ended with uh, marijuana DUIs. And this show is for you, Big Cat. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll come back. we got another show coming up uh, as well. Spader, anything you want to say before we go bye-bye? I just want everybody to know that we are having Big Cat on for an actual show, not a four-minuter. He said he'll come back. We'll do this thing again. We'll do it right. We'll talk about some of this stuff. Um, but other than that, people, uh, we need you to rate us on, what is it, Pod, uh, yes. iP- Apple Pods? Yep, just go to iTunes and give us a rating and tell us that we're awesome. Give us a five-star. Yeah. Tell us we're awesome. I guess we need more of those, right? Yeah, we, we we've been hurting since the giveaway. I wonder did they did they send that to our, our winner? I don't know. Better, you want better to give check in on else that. Away because you know what I did. I opened up so my daughter was at my house two days ago, and she goes, "Oh, that looks really cool." And I said, "What?" And at the Pittsburgh All Star Game, I think it was two thousand six, they gave away these limited edition starting lineups, and I got it's number one to three thousand. It was Roberto Clemente, and my daughter took it out of the packaging. Hmm. Uh, and I see I, it on eBay. It, out of the packaging, it's like one hundred fifty bucks. I yeah, I was gonna say in the packaging, it's probably like five hundred. But the packaging probably... was screwed up anyway, so I was just like, screw it and do it. Yeah. Uh, you, know? Did you checked before you let her do it, didn't you? No, I wasn't upset because I realized that it was in such bad shape. Got it, got it. Got it. All right. Very good. We'll be back with another edition very soon because right after we finish taping this, we're going to take another one. This has been The Walk-Off.